This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It's seven minutes past nine o'clock. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Appreciate a few minutes this morning. A gray day this morning here in the Northeast. And guess what? We've got snow coming tonight into tomorrow. Just a couple of inches. But on uh, March the 18th, the last thing that we want to see is snow uh, here in Connecticut. But we're going to get a little taste of it tonight. Just... Winter letting us know it's not quite done yet. So uh, uh, anyway, lots to talk about this morning. The COVID uh, news here in the state of Connecticut continues, uh, despite the fact that the state positivity rate is down in the uh, around 2%. uh, It has impacted high school sports. There are two teams that have had to drop out of the Shoreline Conference Girls Basketball Tournament. The uh, Valley Regional Team and Coggenshog both are out. Uh, but Paul Jerry informed me just a few minutes ago that it does not affect the boys' tournament. It, it, you know, I, I don't understand that. It makes me wonder if the positive test that happened in Cromwell, I mean in Cromwell, in Coggenshog, uh, might have been with the girls' team or somebody that was close to the girls' team. The school has gone to distance learning. So it's just odd to me that, the, the girls are affected and not the boys. So it makes it leads me to believe that somehow somebody on the girls program was impacted by this. And that's that's had to be what happened. I, I don't know. Uh, the other good news, though, for fans of the Shoreline Conference Tournament is that uh, the conference is now going to allow two fans per rostered player for the tournament. So, you know, I mean, you're going to have what, 30, you know, 30 fans so you know if you got 15 kids on a team you got 30 fans for each school so you'll have 60 people in the building it's great you know i look you know baby steps right uh so that's positive news uh the shoreline conference boys regular season wraps up tonight we'll have a game for you here coming up at 5 30 tonight we'll have the cock and chalk boys at the Cromwell boys, and I'm sure that's uh, going to be the talk uh, of the gym of you know what what went on with the girls program but uh uh, Cromwell right now, the number two seed in the Shoreline Conference Tournament. So uh, we will uh, follow them along. We, Xavier High School, also the number two seed in their tournament. But boy, I'll tell you what, a, a great finish by the Xavier boys. They finished 10-2 uh, and two in the regular season. They're the number two seed. The number three seed, uh, Notre Dame of West Haven, who beat Xavier twice and beat them pretty handily both times. It's one of those things where you look at the seating and you go, this makes zero sense. I know they did it based on record, but Notre Dame of West Haven will be Xavier's second-round uh, opponent in that tournament. Uh, and uh, good luck. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, that Notre Dame West Haven team, very, very athletic. So anyway, so that's the news out of uh, high schools here locally. Uh, and, of course, it's still affecting 
college basketball. UConn down another coach. Shea Ralph, uh, one of the assistants for Gino Oriema, has left San Antonio. Uh, she said she did it out of uh, you know abundance of caution. Boy, how, how many times have we heard that phrase in the last year? An abundance of caution. Uh, why? She had a family member who has tested positive for COVID-19. It happened earlier that day, earlier yesterday. So as soon as she found out, she left. Now, the family member that tested positive is not in San Antonio with the UConn team. Uh, Shea Ralph has tested negative twice since getting there. Uh, They began daily testing in preparation for the tournament on March 9th. Uh, So she's tested negative since that began. She tested uh, twice more negative since UConn got to San Antonio on Tuesday. But she's left. You know, and and I guess abundance of caution. I mean, you would you could almost make the case uh, too much caution. I mean, she's tested positive con- uh, continually since March 9th. So for the last uh, nine days, she's tested negative, and and now she's decided to leave. And look, I you have to do it. You know, I mean, I get it. With the Gino already already out, uh, they cannot afford. Uh, to have this suddenly, you know, run rampant through the team, and all of a sudden, then you know, next thing we know, UConn's out of the tournament. So, uh, so it's now down to Chris Daly and Jamel Elliott. <laughs> Look, here's the th- here's the deal. You could have no coach for this team. They could send me down there, and that UConn team is going to win its first two games. They're playing high point in round number one. And again, no disrespect to high point. They had a nice season. But, you know, UConn is not losing to High Point, which, by the way, is in North Carolina. You are not losing to High Point. I don't care who coaches the team. You know, you could have, you know, uh, one of my daughters coach the team who know nothing about basketball, and I guarantee you they would win that game. <laughs> just just turn them loose, and they'll be fine. All you got to do is manage, you know, the fouls. You know, Paige Beckers and Kristen Williams and Olivia Nelson Adota are going to make sure they don't lose that game. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, later in the tournament, it'll make a difference, and hopefully, Gino Oriem is going to be able to get back there. They say he's uh, potentially eligible to return on March the twenty fourth after his uh, uh, ten days of quarantine at home. So let's hope that's the case. But uh, another one bites the dust as uh, Shea Ralph is going to be home. And there's no word, by the way, whether she's going to be able to return either. My guess is is that she goes home. She has to isolate for 10 days. So if she left yesterday, uh, the earliest she would probably be able to return would be like the 28th. You know, by then you're into the Elite Eight. Maybe she comes back for that. I don't know. But, you know, it. it, it welcome to the pandemic. Um and, and by the way, you know, uh, the other news about the coronavirus, and, and this is one of the things that we've talked about and we've been worried about, is everybody opening up. Well, all of a sudden, the number of cases across the country, they're not going up, but they're not going down the way they were. Uh, we have reached a plateau, and the concern is, is that if we don't stay diligent, we're going to have another spike. And as Dr. Anthony Fauci is, and God, you know, look, I love the guy. How many how many of us are sick of seeing him on television? I mean, and, and it's nothing against him, but, you know, all the time. But, but, you know, one of the things he pointed out this morning is, look, this is what happened in Europe. 
things started going down. Everybody went and relaxed. And then all of a sudden things spiked again. So, and he said, look, we're, you know, we're a couple of weeks behind Europe. So we're in a situation where we, if we mirror what happens there, we could end up with another spike despite you know, and, and now I mean, with the vaccines here, it might be mitigated a little bit because when that happened in Europe, they didn't have the vaccine rolling out as quickly as it is here. So, you know, maybe it'll be different, but we have to stay diligent. I mean, and, and again, how many times, how many more examples do we need to see uh, before we realize that, that, uh, you know, we have to, you know, and I don't care what, ha- what happens, um, uh, you know, what the governor says. Uh, in Texas or Mississippi or Alabama or anywhere else. Uh, I taped a podcast last night, uh, The Boys of Summer, uh, that we do uh, on a periodic basis. matter of fact, that'll be on uh, this afternoon uh, here on Sports Country at 4 o'clock this afternoon prior to the start of the 5.30 game. Um, And uh, we talked about what's going on in Texas and, you know, what, what the governor has done and what the owner of the Texas Rangers has done, allowing a full house for opening day. You know, it makes zero sense. And uh, uh, and what was interesting is uh, Eric Braun, who's on the podcast with me, said uh, Dallas is a different animal. He's, they, he lives in Houston. And he said, you know, it's funny. Everybody in Houston will tell you, like, Dallas is like, uh, the Dallas area is like a different country. And they do things different in Dallas. And, well, that's, you know, Arlington is right near the Dal- is right near Dallas. And it's part of the Dallas metro area. And. So, be, so anyway, we just have to be careful, you know, and, and Gino Aram and, and Shea Ralph, if that, uh, you know, if you're in the state of Connecticut, if that doesn't give you pause and what's happening with the high schools here, if that doesn't give you pause, then, uh, you know, I, I don't know what else. That means nothing is going to convince you. Uh, other UConn news, uh, Paige Beckers was named to the uh, Associated Press All-American team. No surprise there. She got 28 uh, first place votes uh, from the poll, uh, from the uh uh, the panel of 30 people that voted for it. Uh, she becomes uh, just the third freshman to ever make the AP All-American team. Uh, Courtney Paris, who played at Oklahoma, and uh, former UConn great Maya Moore are the only other two freshmen that have ever been named uh, an AP All-American as a freshman. It's amazing. Uh, and, you know, she deserved it. 19 points, or almost 20 points, 19 points, 7 points, 6 assists, 54% from the field, 47% from three-point range. It's crazy uh, what she's done this year, and she's only a freshman. Uh, and, and you know, the other f- players on the first team, Dana Evans of Louisville, Aaliyah Boston of South Carolina, uh, Ryan Howard from Kentucky, and Alyssa Smith from Baylor. I mean, that's pretty good company. Uh, Aaliyah Boston, I, I love her. She plays at South Carolina. Third, she averaged like 14 points, 12 rebounds a game. She's a beast, absolute beast. Um, and if you're wondering about other UConn players, nobody made the second or third team. Uh, Kristen Williams and Olivia Nelson Adoto were both uh, named honorable mention. You could make a case that uh, Kristen Williams deserved to be second or third team, but you know, whatever. Uh, uh, other UConn news, and this is great news. R.J. Cole is going to practice with the men's team today. Uh, of course, if you remember during the Big East tournament, uh, he hit his head on the floor opened up a gash over his left eye uh, and didn't play the last four and a half minutes of the game. A tough loss against Creighton, and you could make the case that if he plays that last four and a half minutes, they win that game. But be that as it may, he's been out with a concussion since then, 
He has been cleared to practice today, and after practice he'll be evaluated by the medical staff at UConn. Uh, if he stays symptom-free, no dizziness, any of that stuff, he will be eligible to play in UConn's first-round game against Maryland on Saturday. There is no question uh, that they need him. Uh, the guy averaged over 12 points a game. He is a great defender on the perimeter. Um, handles the ball well. 96 assists this year, only 40 turnovers. I mean, this is a guy that is a very, very important cog of that UConn team. So hopefully, uh, after practice today, he remains uh, symptom-free. The big news out of Indianapolis right now, there is a movement, and uh, some of the players, uh, as they have gotten out to Indiana, there has been this move, and they have been on social media using the hashtag not NCAA property. Uh, they, the players have been demanding changes about compensation, about being able to be compensated for the use of their likeness. So, you know, be able to be a spokesman for a company. Uh, if you are in an NCAA video game of any kind, you know, the kind that uh, uh, EA Sports or 4K Sports used to uh, put out, that they would get compensated for that. You know, the ability to get uh, compensated to make a public appearance, they should be able to do that. I have said, and as a, as a guy who worked in college athletics for 25 years, I, w I said it before, I will say it again, I will say it till I die, these guys should not be paid. However, they should be able to be the sponsor for, you know, if, if a local bank wants to hire them as their spokesperson, if a car dealership wants to use them in commercials, uh, you know, if they want to get, if they want to get paid to sign autographs at a at a show or you know get paid to come give a talk somewhere anything like that they should be able to be compensated for that absolutely but they should not get paid and i don't care you know these athletes they they already get a sp a, a small stipend which you know frankly if i had gotten that when i was a student i would have been doing cartwheels all right but they're getting a free college education, whether it's at a public or a private school. You know, they are getting anywhere a, a public education that is valued at anywhere between $100,000 and $250,000 for nothing. Not only is it tuition, they're getting their room and board. They're getting their books for free. They get uh, treated like kings on these campuses. They get special meals. They get special privileges as far as housing, et cetera, goes. Uh, they have first-class facilities in Division One. They get well treated. So I don't want to hear uh, about getting paid. However, as one of the players pointed out, and he is absolutely right, if you're on a music scholarship to a school and you put out a record album for some reason, guess what? You can get that money. If you are a on a music scholarship at a school and you have a side gig playing for a local symphony orchestra, guess what? You can get paid. There's no amateur rules. You know, this is this is where we're trying this is where we try to draw a line between athletes and people on other different kinds of scholarships. Um, you know, he's absolutely right. If you are an artist, if you're on an art scholarship to a school, 
and somebody commissions you to do a painting for them, guess what? You can get paid for that, and you won't lose your scholarship. Uh, you know, there's no, th- there's no doubt that that part of the whole process for student-athletes is wrong. They should be able to do that. But the, the day they get paid is the day I stop taking college athletics seriously because the day these athletes start getting paid in college, it makes college athletics completely useless. It then makes it no different than the NBA. Okay? I mean, let's be honest. And the other part that we have to keep in mind here, you know, the great players, okay, and let's be, let's be fair. The guys that are going to profit from their likeness, the guys that are going to get paid to be sponsors, you know, for a local bank or a car dealership or whatever, okay, it's going to be the best players. It's going to be a handful of players. It's going to be the players that have an opportunity to play, to go to the pros in in the first place. You know, one of the things they talk about in the NCAA, 99% of student athletes in any sport across the NCAA don't go on to play professional sports. 99%. 99% of them will go on to do other things in their lives other than sports. Sports was a nice thing to do while they were in school. It was part of their experience, but that's not how they make their livelihood. Um, so th- that's the other part of this that we have to remember, that these guys that are yelling about their likeness and image and stuff, it's, it's not going to be for everybody. You know, you're not going to find a girl on the field hockey team or a guy on the men's soccer team, for the most part, that are going to get opportunities to become paid spokesmen. It's going to be the star basketball player, the star football player, uh, whatever. It's not going to be, you know, the the average college student athlete. So uh, the movement is underway. The NCA does need to fix it. There's no question. You could, you can't stop these kids from earning a living based on their image. They don't. They're not slaves. Okay, you know the NCA should not have the ability to tell these kids how they can earn money. Here's what you can't do: if you're playing college basketball, you can't play for a professional team on the side. That makes sense. You know, you can't uh, get paid to play your sport. But outside of that, the NCAA should not have the right to tell these kids how they can earn money. And if it means going to a, a, a card show and signing autographs or going making a public appearance and getting paid to give a speech, the NCAA has no business being in the business of limiting these kids' opportunities to earn money. It's wrong. It is absolutely wrong. And I'm, and it's, it boggles my mind that we have gotten to 2021 and that has be, and that is still an issue in this country. And it isn't until the states started taking it up. You know, the federal government's talked about it, but now individual states are taking up the issue and have, some of them have already passed legislation that's to take place in the next couple of years it wasn't until that happened where the NCAA said, okay, I guess we better get on top of this. I mean, they are so far behind the times that it's not even funny. And it's just, you know, it just shows you that the NCAA leadership is just atrocious. Atrocious. 
Uh, we got a break coming up here in a couple of minutes. Uh, last night, the Celtics played again, and I'm telling you what. I talked about it. It's not Brad Stevens' fault, and I continued, I'll continue to say that. They need to do something about this roster. They lost again last night. They lose to a very bad Cleveland Cavaliers team. 117 to 110. A game you have no business losing. Look, I, I get losing to uh, the Utah Jazz. They're one of the best teams in basketball. But you cannot lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you don't have to go any farther than this. Jalen Brown last night, 28 points, but he was 11 for 26. And again, this is where I, I come back to what happens in the NBA. It's amazing. J, Jason Tatum last night, 29 points, 11 for 24, 3 for 13 from 3. So your two best scorers, they scored 57 points, but they shot 22 for 50. And they were 5 of 23 from three-point range. And yet they just keep firing it up. Daniel Tice took one shot last night. And somebody please tell me why Semiel Ojale is starting. I mean, you know, look, and, and they no Kemba Walker last night because they're not allowing him to play back-to-back games. But it is absolutely incredible that this team is that bad. Danny Ainge has got to get off his hands, and he has got to do something to help this roster out. Uh, Celtics back at 500 now. With this kind of talent, it's unforgivable, and and Danny Ainge should be ashamed of himself. Um, the Miami Heat traded uh, Myers Leonard yesterday. Uh, no surprise, they traded him to the Oklahoma City Thunder for a draft pick in 2027, a second round pick in 2027, six years from now. Uh, and the Thunder, by the way, don't plan to keep Leonard. Uh, Leonard has been. Uh, uh, suspended since his anti-Semitic remark during a live stream of a video game, and uh, so he is no longer going to be in Miami. That is not a shock. You knew they had to get uh, do that. So it's a 2020 pick they get from uh, Oklahoma, along with Trevor uh, Ariza, a 35-year-old who is uh, now playing for like his 10th team in 17 years. Uh, but uh, uh, no, sh- no surprise here. No surprise at all. Uh, one other note out of the NBA: sad one, Sean Bradley. Uh, you may remember him, big guy, seven foot six, played for the Dallas Mavericks and uh, a couple other teams. Uh, I think he also played for Philly and the Nets. Um, he was actually drafted by Philly in '93. He's 48 years old. He was he just announced yesterday he's he was in a bike accident um, uh, several weeks ago uh, where he was hit by a car. He's paralyzed. Uh, he had a severe uh, spinal injury. He had neck fusion surgery. And uh, he is at his home in St. George, but he is uh, St. George, Utah, but he is paralyzed and, uh, you know, is got a long road to recovery ahead and uh, just awful, awful seven foot six and riding a, riding a bicycle and got hit by a car. I mean, so it wasn't like, you know, it's it was not, somebody, whoever was driving a car can't say I didn't see him, but man, that's just bad news. So uh, uh, hopefully uh, he is able to uh, get some movement back and uh, just, just an awful story. It's 29 minutes past. Yeah, we got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the wake up call on sports country. It's 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake up call here on a Thursday morning. Thursday morning. Nothing worse, by the way, um, than dipping into your coffee and realizing you have the wrong coffee. I, my wife's coffee that was black uh, as opposed to mine. I had the wrong mug. Oh, had to make the quick exchange. Uh, anyway, uh, let's get to some baseball news. Yesterday, uh, some encouraging news from the Red Sox. 
uh, Eduardo Rodriguez continues to pitch very, very well uh, for the Red Sox. Again, spring training game yesterday, you don't take a lot out of it uh, in terms of whether you win or lose, but what you take away from it is Eduardo Rodriguez threw five innings yesterday and uh, only gave up two hits, one run. He struck out six, didn't walk a batter. And this is a guy that has struggled over the years, um, you know, with with walks. I mean, even in 2019 when uh, he had that great season for the Red Sox when he was 19 and 6, uh, he walked like 75 guys that year. It was way too many. And uh, one of the things the Red Sox coaches are preaching this year is attacking the strike zone, and he has taken that to heart and uh, a great outing yesterday. The Red Sox win 9-1. to one. Again, doesn't matter. But uh, you take away from uh, Erod's performance. Darwinson Hernandez, another uh, relief appearance. He walked the batter. I'm very concerned about him. You know, um, saw a game that he pitched uh, a week ago, and he walked like three guys in the inning. Got out of it, but it was, uh, you know, a nightmare. Uh, Austin Bryce, a couple of scoreless innings. He's got uh, an opportunity perhaps to make the ball club as a, uh, as a long relief guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so Erod, because of that performance, gets the opening day nod from Alex Cora. Everybody knew it was coming. That really wasn't a shock. Uh, but Cora said he had actually decided uh, a, week, uh, a week or two ago but he was waiting. Uh, he wanted to make sure. He said, "Look, I, I got to You got to make sure he's healthy enough." He says, it, "You know, it's not fair to tell him that he's going to be the opening day starter, and then all of a sudden he can't go four innings in a spring training game." Uh, he has bounced back from that myocarditis that kept him out from last season. Uh, it seems uh, very well. Uh, other good signs from yesterday: Bobby Dahlbeck with another home run, his fifth home run of the spring. Uh, so you love to see that the guy that they're going to hand the first base job to this year, uh, continues to absolutely rake. And you know, the other good thing is that, uh, uh, he's trying to cut the strikeouts down a little bit and, and I hope it works, but, uh, he hit one, uh, a grand slam yesterday off of Matt Shoemaker. Uh, Rafi Devers hit his third home run of the spring. Another good sign is his bat starting to heat up. I mean, he had two hits yesterday. He's still only hitting 200 this spring, but it got off to a slow start. Uh, other good signs. Xander Bogarts made his first appearance at shortstop yesterday. Thank God. Uh, coming back from that sore shoulder. So he played short yesterday, uh, went one for three at the plate. J.D. Martinez with a hit and a run batted in. Uh, so a lot of good signs out of Red Sox camp yesterday. Um, it, it, Look, you know, I, I don't know what to make of, of this Red Sox team. I really don't. I want to say that they're going to be competitive. I want to say that they're going to make the playoffs. Um, but there's too many unknowns. And, you know, the biggest one is is how this pitching staff is going to perform. If if Erod does this all year, you know, if Nate Valdi can stay healthy and, you know, get them into the sixth inning every time out, if, if you know, Martin Perez continues to pitch the way he has this spring, if Nick Pavetta, you know, but if you'll notice, everything I'm saying is if. You know, we know that Chris Sale's probably going to have an opportunity to come back in July, but we really can't count on him. So, you know, it's there's a lot of ifs. Uh, we talked about our predictions for the Major League Baseball season uh, on the uh, Boys of Summer podcast. It, again, it will be on today at 4 o'clock. I'm going to go over more tomorrow, but... Uh, I don't, I don't, um, I don't know if the Red Sox make the, the, the playoffs this year. I, 
I am pessimistic. Let's put it that way. Uh, if they do, it'll be as a second wild card. But I, I just don't know. I, I think they have enough to beat the Rays. Uh, I, I really do. That Toronto team worries me because offensively they're loaded. But they're a lot. They're kind of like where the Red Sox are in that, you know, they can score runs, but will they have enough pitching? So we'll see. Uh, a team that appears to have a ton of pitching right now, the New York Yankees. Um, they got a great start from Jordan Montgomery again yesterday. Jordan Montgomery, uh, in his four appearances this spring, has pitched to an ERA of 0.90. Yesterday, five no-hit innings. Struck out four, walked one. Uh, the only Matter of fact, there was only one run scored in this game. The Yankees and the Blue Jays, two teams with a lot of offense, the final score was Yankees won, Blue Jays nothing, and the run scored like on a little bleeder on the infield. That was it. That was, you know, I mean, so, uh, but if, if you're a Yankee fan, you're thrilled. You know, Corey Kluber seems like he's back. Garrett Cole is doing his thing. This, uh, uh, this Yankee team, I mean, look, Jordan Montgomery is a guy they didn't even think was going to be a member of the, part of the rotation. Uh, he is making his case where he might have to be. I mean, he pitched to a 5.90 ERA last year, but as I have said to everyone, last year means bupkis. You know, I, I think last year is it was an aberration for everybody. So uh, Jordan Montgomery is making uh, decisions very difficult for the Yankees front office. Uh, another team that seems to be loaded with pitching, well, not that it's necessarily a surprise, but think about this. Noah Syndergaard's out, you know, after the, the surgery, uh, uh, Jacob DeGrom is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, they've got Carlos Carrasco that they got from the Indians. Now he's dealing with an arm injury right now, but uh, they've got Marcus Stroman. I mean, they've got a, a loaded rotation. Well, now they're trying to figure out who their number five starter is going to be. Well, Joey Lucchese just threw his hat into the ring. Uh, he pitched three scoreless innings yesterday. No runs. He struck out four, walked a couple of guys. Uh, it's the first time that he has started in uh, spring training this year, um, but he threw in a uh, he threw as a reliever and threw t- two scoreless innings as a reliever. Um, but he threw forty two pitches in three innings yesterday. Uh, very efficient, and he is competing for the fifth spot along with uh, Jordan Yamamoto and David Peterson. David Peterson is probably going to be the guy. I mean, Peterson went six and two. Uh, as a rookie last year with a 3-4-4 ERA. So you would think that he's going to be the number five guy, but uh, Jordan Yamamoto, the kid that they got from uh, Miami, Miami let him go. Uh, Yamamoto's been great. He's got uh, he's pitched in three games. He's thrown like uh, nine innings, and he's got an ERA of one. Uh, so the Mets are loaded, absolutely loaded. And uh, it seems like Edwin Diaz is over his problem uh, in the bullpen. Uh, I just so the Mets. I think the Mets are going to win the National League East. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. But I, I think, I think they are 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 going to win the East. I think they're going to be better than Atlanta. I think they're going to be better than Philly, and they're going to be better than Washington. I, I think Miami. I don't think Miami. I think Miami was an outlier last year. I think that shortened season really helped them out. Uh, although Sandy Alcantara pitched yesterday for Miami against the Mets and threw five scoreless innings. He's the real deal. And Sisto Sanchez seems to be the real deal. So they've got a couple of – they've obviously got a couple of pitchers that are going to keep them in games, and they've got some interesting young pitchers. But I I still think – I still think 
that last year it's going to be very difficult for them to to repeat over 162 games. A 60-game sprint for young players, I think, you know, anything can happen and we knew it would and you know with the extra playoff teams and everything last year we knew there wasn't there, there was an opportunity i'm not sure over 162 that they can do that again i mean it's great for baseball if they can keeping uh you know especially now with uh you know they've got a female gm and they've got Derek jeter and all these i mean it's great for baseball if they are i'm just not sure that they can do it over a full season uh, other baseball news yesterday, Framber Valdez, the young pitcher from the uh, Houston Astros who broke the or fractured the ring finger uh, on his pitching hand, uh, is healing. They did a, uh, they said it is healing better than they expected. Uh, he's not going to be ready for the start of spring training, but it may not be too long after that before they'll be able to get him back. Uh, so that is good news for the Houston Astros, a team that is uh, pitching starved. Um, another hopeful sign. I mean, he's not he's not pitching this year, but uh, uh, Justin Verlander threw his first pitches yesterday uh, since Tommy John surgery, so he has started his throwing program. But he's you know he's in the same boat as Chris Sale. You know, if you see Verlander at all, it'll probably be at the end of the year, and it'll be Chris Sale's going to be the same thing, and you, you can't count on them being anything. So uh, getting Frember Valdez is going to be very very important for them. Um, a great matchup yesterday, Walker Bueller for the LA Dodgers and uh, Lucas Giolito from the White Sox. Uh, the Dodgers won a game 4-3. Again, doesn't mean a lot, but uh, solid performance by Walker Bueller yesterday. He allowed just an unearned run, uh, struck out five and walked one. Uh, they hit Giolito a little bit harder. He gave up a couple of runs, but uh, uh, overall good performance for both players. Uh, the Rays, Tyler Glass now has been named their opening day starter, and uh, – he pitched four innings yesterday against the Pittsburgh Pirates, celebrated being named uh, the opening day starter by giving up four runs and six hits to the Pittsburgh Pirates yesterday. Uh, Austin Meadows hit another home run for Tampa yesterday. I think that's his fifth or sixth home run uh, of the spring. Uh, so he is uh, he is looks like he's in midseason form. Uh, if you're a Philly fan, you have to be encouraged by what you saw yesterday by Zach Wheeler. Uh, five scoreless innings, only gave up four hits. Uh, he had been whacked around pretty good his first couple of starts in the spring, but he looked really good yesterday. I watched about half of this game. Uh, the other guy, and this is, talk about a, a mixed bag if you're a Philly fan. Uh, Odubel Herrera, who did not play last year because of the whole domestic violence uh, issue, uh, was reinstated and is hitting the ball very, very well this spring. He hit his third home run of the spring yesterday and uh, looks like he could be a big part of that team this year. But, you know, I don't know how that's going to go over in Philly. I mean, with, you know, everybody deserves a second chance. But, you know, the stuff that I see on social media, uh, I that's going to be a – that's going to be tough sledding, I think, for Adubel Herrera. But like anything, I guess if you uh, have enough success, fan, fans will forgive just about anything. Uh, A.J. Puck got to start for the Royals yesterday. Uh, Puck may end up being the number five starter for the Royals this year. Mike Fires is injured. And uh, Puck, who is, uh, was the number six overall pick back in 2016, might begin the year in the rotation. But uh, he gave up a couple of runs 
uh, yesterday in just two innings of work. Uh, the good news for Oakland, Jed Lowry, who wasn't able to play hardly at all for the Mets uh, in his two years in New York, uh, had a couple of doubles for Oakland yesterday. Matt Olson, by the way, his fourth uh, home run of the spring yesterday. They beat the Royals uh, 10-5. to Mike Miner got the start for the Royals and got whacked. Uh, six runs uh, in and seven hits in three and two-thirds innings. Um, Kevin Gausman got the start for the San Francisco Giants yesterday. Uh, pitched okay, just okay. Uh, Herman Marquez went five innings for the Rockies. Uh, Rockies got whacked around. Uh, Giants won the game 11-8, but uh, Marquez in his five innings of work allowed three runs and six hits. Um, other astronauts, Jose Altuve with his first home run of the spring yesterday. He came off of Adam Wainwright, who went uh, four and two-thirds and uh, gave up a couple of runs. Uh, and I watched this game last night, the Cubs and the Padres. And I, Again, I know it's spring training. I can't get too carried away, but this Cubs team looks like it's still got plenty of pop. Uh, home runs from uh, Anthony Rizzo, Ian Happ, a couple of hits. Wilson Contreras had a bomb and three hits. Uh, Chris Paddock, who was supposed to be a member of that rotation, not a good outing. An inning and two-thirds, uh, four runs, four hits, walk three guys. Uh, the only bright spot yesterday, I guess, for the Padres, Tommy Pham, who was coming back from that uh, stabbing injury uh, with three hits for the San Diego Padres yesterday. Uh, and the Angels, uh, Jose Quintana, uh, struck out six in three and two-thirds of scoreless innings yesterday. They ended up tying their game with Seattle, but uh, a good sign. I mean, the Angels, I think the Angels... Angels are going to be a surprise team this year. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. Um, matter of fact, I've got them. I've got them winning the American League West. I'm probably nuts, uh, but I think the Angels are going to have a great year this year. I think they've made some sneaky moves. They've got plenty of pop, obviously, with Rendon and Mike Trout. I think. I think Albert Pujols is going to have. If this is going to be his last year, I think he wants to go out with a bang. And I think the Angels may have done just enough. You know, and I think the AO West is down this year. I mean, look, Houston doesn't have the pitching. Uh, they lost George Springer. Um, I think Oakland, uh, same thing. I don't think Oakland's got enough uh, pitching. I, I think that Angels team is going to be in the mix this year. I really do. Uh, it is 46 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take another break when we come back. Got some football news to talk about before uh, we close out the show. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. It is 49 minutes past the hour here on a Thursday morning. So the Patriots, you know, just when you thought they were done, well, not quite. Uh, they made a deal yesterday to bring Kyle Van Noy, linebacker, back to New England, part of the uh, the Boogeymen. Remember that uh, great linebacking core from 2019? Well, after that season, uh, he signed a free agent deal, four years, $51 million dollars, to go to the Miami Dolphins. It was $30 million guaranteed money and a $12 million signing bonus. Um, well, the Patriots got a fourth-round pick um, as compensation for that signing. Well, he became a casualty of the drop in the salary cap this year, and the Dolphins let him go. They created about $10 million in cap space. This is after, by the way, uh, played 14 games last year, had 69 tackles and six sacks. Well, he's coming back to New England. They, they, they let him go, and uh, New England is bringing him back. Now, I mean, think about this. You know, they've got Dante Hightower coming back. Uh, Chung is coming back. They This team 
they've got they signed uh, Matt Juden. This defense is going to be loaded. Um, think about that defensive core. You know, with Juden and Van Noy and and Chung and High. I mean, think about it. They are going to be. I mean, one of the problems that the Patriots had last year was getting to the quarterback. Uh, man, um, and they look. They've still got cap space. That's the amazing thing when you look at what they've done. Now, this doesn't include. I don't know. I didn't see how much money Van Noy signed for. Um, it wasn't in the story in the Boston Globe, but. Uh, Ben Volan had a long piece in the Globe this morning looking at all the moves that the Patriots have done. And they probably are still at around $16 million of cap space before the Van Noy signing. So I don't know how much he got, but they're not, you know, they're, they're going to be, you know, this isn't like they're, they went on the spending spree and they're going to be hurting. Oh, and, Dan Zampano just texted me that Chung has retired. You know, Chung yesterday on, I think it was on Twitter, said big news coming. And then, so everybody was like, uh-oh, what's, you know, what's going on? And then the next thing you know, his, he was like, his next tweet was like about saving money with his car insurance with Progressive or something. Like he was going to be, you know, like trying to be funny. And now Dan just texted me that Chung has retired. So uh, maybe that's what he was going to say yesterday and he chickened out. I don't know. Uh, well, that changes things a little bit, I guess. So uh, so no Chung, never mind. But still, bringing Van Noy back, I mean, I think this is this is huge for the Patriots. And and by the way, they, they still have that fourth-round compensation pick. They don't have to give it back to the Dolphins. So uh, I, I, I tell you. Uh, what was Cam Newton's nickname for Belichick? Dollar Bill. Well, he is. Uh, I, I swear to God, I I don't know what he was. He's been smoking, but whatever it is, the the Patriots need to make sure that uh, that he keeps it up. Now, my only concern is is that what he's going to do with the draft, and I and I don't care what anybody says. And and I know we had Dan on, and and he may be listening right now. I don't care what Dan says. You know, he says he'd be okay if the Patriots go defense with their first-round draft pick, I won't be. If they don't draft a quarterback in the first round, I still think, and I think, you know, look, I love Mac Jones, and if that's going to be your guy, go get him at And I think he'll be available at 15. I'd be surprised if he's not. But if you're concerned that he's not going to be, because there's been some people that think that, that, you know, he could be gone by then, but the Patriots have to draft a quarterback. You cannot, you cannot have... All these signs, you cannot do all the things you've done on offense to bring in all these weapons and 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 shore up the defense the way you have and then hand the car keys to a guy that's, you know, been drinking all day. And, and I know that's – and I don't mean that Cam Newton's a drunk, but Cam Newton is a guy that, you know, should be driving a Yugo, not a Lexus and, uh, at this point in his career. And I, I hope he makes me eat my words – but nothing I saw last year would lead me to believe that he is going to be any better this year than he was last year. I know he'll have more weapons, so I got to give him the benefit of the doubt. But even if he does play better than he did last year, and by the way, there's nowhere to go but up. Even if he does that, 
He is not the long-term solution, and they need to get a long-term solution in their ASAP. And, and that means they've got to spend that first-round pick on a quarterback, period. Uh, a couple other football things. Uh, the Cardinals added uh, longtime Cincinnati Bengals uh, receiver A.J. Green to their lineup yesterday. Uh, I think they kind of I, – I, I think this was kind of insurance – uh, thinking that Larry Fitzgerald is probably going to retire. Uh, he's been in the league for 17 years, and he's been hinting at retirement uh, for years. So, you know, I, I have a feeling that he may be out, and this may be their insurance. Uh, so the A.J. Green will uh, join the, the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Trent Williams is now the highest-paid offensive lineman ever. Uh, they, uh, 49ers locked him up. They're going to pay him $138 million, $138.1, just so that uh, he could get more money than David Bakhtiari did from Green Bay last season. But $138.1 over six years. Got the biggest signing bonus ever for an offensive lineman, $30 million. $55 million of that contract is guaranteed. Man, it's a good day to be Trent Williams. Uh, and in the quarterback carousel talk in the NFL, you have to wonder if this isn't going to play into it. Word came down yesterday that Deshaun Watson is being sued. We don't know. This is it, it, what's weird about this is that it's it's kind of nebulous. Some lawyer is going to file a a suit against Deshaun Watson for uh, some kind of sexual assault. Uh, the guy, the guy's name is Tony Busby, and on Instagram he said he had filed a lawsuit. Uh, he said it's about uh, he said it's about dignity and stopping behavior that should be stopped. He said it's not about money, and uh, so the, the allegation supposedly it's something about sexual assault. Of course, Deshaun Watson immediately says, uh, you know, it's not true. He said, I've ne- I, he said I haven't seen the complaint, but I know this: I've never treated any woman with anything other than the utmost respect. He said the plaintiff's lawyer claimed that this isn't about money, but before filing the suit, he made a baseless six-figure settlement demand, which I quickly rejected. He said, unlike him, this isn't about the money for me. It's about clearing my name, and I look forward to doing that. So now, with that hanging over Deshaun Watson's head, you wonder, and and it may be completely baseless. This may be just be some lawyer, you know, some ambulance chaser trying to uh, make a name for himself. But you have to wonder, with this hanging over his head, whether it makes it more likely that Deshaun Watson could be heading out of Houston. Maybe this is going to be the thing where the, the Texans are going to be like, oh, we just don't want to deal with this. Uh, we'll see. Stay tuned. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Don't forget, coming up 5.30, we've got Coggenshog boys against Cromwell, the final regular season shoreline conference game before the tournament starts next week. Hope you can join us for that. We leave you this morning with some music from the late Ray Charles and Billy Joel. Baby Grand, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.